I'm Zoraida Cordova, and you're listening to the Clashing Sabers Network. Here we go again. I bypassed the compressor. You were the chosen one. Something truly special. Congratulations. You are being rescued. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. The ability to speak might not make you intelligent, but we're going to try to prove otherwise. This is the Clashing Sabers Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and I'm here with my co-host. He is also known as the Savant of the Sarlacc. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you... Oh, see, I was going to go with the the reason for the teardrops on her guitar, giving the uh, timing of the seasons here, but I'll take what I can get. Wrong, wrong, wrong Taylor Swift album. I am embarrassed. Yeah, but that was the joke. Thanks for playing along, Brandon. It's good to good to talk to you again. <laughs> you just you, you know all too well that you chose the wrong album and you're trying to talk your way out of it. I know which one it's from. I haven't been able to listen to all of the new version of Red yet. That's why I'm, I'm kind of just living in the past. It's it's an okay place to live. Uh, not in the past though. In the present. In the future. In the here and now is our friend, the Lord of Lore, Mister Zach Christman. What up, what up, yee yee! That's not from any Taylor Swift album I know of. No, it's not. No, that's the leaked (laughs) concept of uh, her next album. Look what you made me do. Yee yee! I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Dude, I love Taylor Swift. I love Taylor Swift. Nice, okay. There is some weird overlap. There's a weird overlap between Star Wars fans and Taylor Swift, it seems, and I'm here for it, and that's cool. Look, if you don't like Taylor Swift... I don't trust you. Is is it weird that I actually like even kind of like look what you made me do? I, I really do. Uh, that, that song is just its own thing. It's a good song. But I, I like all versions of Taylor. I mean the country stuff. Even though I'm not particularly a country fan, uh, and then when she transitioned to pop, I was like, "Good for you, girl. This is awesome. You did amazing. This is good. It's amazing. I dig it's it. It's amazing stuff. Can't wait." Style for is uh, one song that I want to record i actually wrote uh like a rock version of style and i've been wanting to record it forever i think style is probably my favorite song by taylor swift it's just so groovy yeah it's it's just got this weird it's got this weird vibe to it that's just it, it just screams like it's meant for rock and roll it's one of my favorite parts of that entire album oh yeah sweet we bonded I know, we finally agree on something. (laughs) (laughs) There is a first time for everything here on the Classic Sabers podcast. And uh, tonight we are going to have our first time talking about Disney Plus Day. Um, Wait. So it'll go quick, is what you're saying. Or lack thereof. All right, well, it's been fun, guys. We'll see you later. Um, Yeah, our plan... (laughs) <laughs> Our plan was to uh, talk about Disney Plus Day, but that uh, was... Uh, really no need, is there? Yeah, there's really no need. Um, we'll get into that a little bit more and uh, just talk about the state of Star Wars and uh, and kind of just where different projects stand, where ideas stand, and where Star Wars stands overall. But before that, we have to get into our very important question, and... Zach, you and I caught up recently on uh, on Sith Talk. So, Drew, I'm going to throw this to you. And what are you Taylor Swifting? I mean, what are you Star Warsing lately? Uh, well, I'll be honest. I'm 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 a little tripping over 
uh, the interview we had with Kevin Scott from a week or so ago, and one of the things he said stood out to me and kind of shook me a little bit, where he said that, uh, you know, he was reminding us in that conversation about how we're very early on in the, the higher public timeline, right? You know, we're kind of in that phase one before, you know, th- th- this is a, a years-long project, right? And we're, we're basically coming up on the 12-month um, since Light of the Jedi was released. And he said that all the hints of what's to come were placed in the first book. You know, he says something along the lines of, you have all the hints in front of you already if you know what you're looking for. And it really freaked me out. Um, I don't know what to do with that information. I can't live in a world where I'm supposed to know things and don't know things this well. Uh, I had a really solid conversation um, with friend of the show pod out uh, outer rim reads where we, we talked about chapters 16 through 18 of light of the Jedi. So I kind of lived in that world for the past two, three, four weeks. Uh, so I don't know what I'm missing and it's a little bit scary. So have you guys gone back and reread anything from like the f- initial releases? And does, has anything stood out to you that might be different now? When it comes to the High Republic? Yeah, specifically. Because the, evidently the, there are hints of things to come within that first book that I don't know that I picked up in, on any of it. Well, uh, at the end of the High Republic, they get into... Uh, or the end of the High Republic, end of Light of the Jedi. They hint at a lineage of Marcion Rowe. They hint like... I'm not saying he's Sith or they're saying he's Sith. They're saying that he comes from a, what will be revealed as, as a major dark side background that, that was like a huge Hmm. implication at the end. And I think it was, I forget what character was talking about it, whether it was Mark, it was Marcion in his own head talking about his family's lineage and where they come from. He never says what but it's heavily implied that it is a very dark origin whether sith or something new or whatever that's about the interesting one of the only things that i can really think of aside from the obvious of like yeah there's like a whole vision that elzar man had where he sees all of his friends and you know bodies laying about him and whatnot and violence and all that stuff kind of poisoned his mind like that and he had to go take some time off and hang out on tython but but that was also the the battle of valo right wasn't that that's the impression that i got that that's the vision was valo that he was seeing no i i got more of a big picture like this is this could end the entire jedi order from that vision but again Mm. it's been almost a year since i've read that particular particular section of the book so well and i'm not sure if you guys have listened to tempest runner but i have Drew, have you? I have not. Okay, so I will say, I will say there is. Uh, well, it's not really a, a major spoiler to say it like this. That we find out in there how Martian ended up in that position as the Eye. We we find out how he became the Eye. Um, oh, interesting. Okay, and it it at least I would surmise that it's going to be pertinent for future storytelling and if we're, we're talking about his lineage and stuff uh it would probably be pertinent to to that as well so um i think yeah i think martian 
it, it's interesting to me because the the Rising Storm and Tempest Runner both have really made Lorna D to me feel like the like the the focal point villain where they're kind of leaving Martian out on the outside a little bit um as far really? as like the the presentation as far as like the presentation and development of his character he's not front as front and center um because primarily because the jedi don't don't know about him they see lorna d as the eye so i think they're kind of like holding oh, back a little bit okay. there kind of like how i talked about avar um you know how sh- I think something really big is coming with her because they're using her very sparingly. It's very much the Vader and Rebels treatment is what I like to think of it, of it's, it's higher impact with less content. And when you get that end point of the Vader-Ahsoka duel, it's so high impact because you're not like, well, we've seen Vader all season. So you have the emotional punch, you have the novelty of it, and I think that's with both characters, whether it's together or not, I think we're heading to something um, where having less about them is going to add to to the end points or the major crux points of their stories. We'll, we'll see about that, because when I start reading the comics, I know that uh, Avar is in that more. Like, she has a bit more to do, and, and she seems to be given the focus of the Drengear threat more than she's given the, uh, the Nihil threat to actually handle it. It seems like, you know, Elzar and... Uh, what's the handsome man's name? Um, um, Stellan Gios. Stellan Gios. What a, nice. what a, Good what a name. Proud of you. Um, it seems like they have more of a focus on the Nihil right now. Anyway, that could definitely change. But boy, that's an interesting idea. I, I think can't, I'm looking at my libraries, my and I'm trying to find the copy of Tempest Runner. Is it like? It's only audiobook. A, yeah, it's an audio drama. No, oh, pain and disappointment. I, I'd be Murder surprised if you half. liked it or not, um, because it it's definitely one of those where. To, to me when it comes to tempest runner it's you, the the book tries to be a little bit smarter than it actually is and then at the end of the time or at the end of the day i'm like oh everything that i th- how i thought this book was gonna go it, i thought it was not gonna go this way like halfway through the book and then it went the exact way i thought it would it's it's okay i mean lorna oh, d's so, in me in my opinion lorna d's very cool um it's just again, it's somewhat predictable. And then, you know, what what is the other Tempest Runner? The the Roid Head? Can, uh, is it not Candorous? No, that's that's old Republic stuff. I can't remember. <laughs> um, I've heard but yeah, are you talking about Pan? Pan Ada. Oh my gosh! Talk about a character that literally has the same arc in three books already. It's so insane. Oh no. Oh my gosh, Pan Pan Ada is just—he's a mess. He's just like I—I I thought he. Uh, I'm not gonna say anything, but he's well, just. Well, my like my problem with Tempest Runner, well, is is primarily, I don't think it was a story best served as an audio drama. I would have much rather it be a book, and I say that for a couple reasons. One. I think it suffers from the the biggest danger of an audio drama, which is voices sounding too similar to where it makes it hard to distinguish between characters. I think we had uh, quite a few of those where I was like, I don't remember which person is talking unless 
they had just recently said their name. Like if I picked up, you know, mid conversation or something like that, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what's who's who. And it was hard to, to track that in your head. Um, and then the, I don't want to make it sound like I'm, I'm knocking the, the, the sound creators or sound designers or anything like that. Cause they put in hundreds of hours to get this right. But just for me personally, it was a little overstimulating. Um, and because it was, it was almost ASMR, but like not, in, not in a good way of like people's breathing and sirens going off at the same time that you're having pipes breaking. And it was just too much sound effects to where I, I couldn't listen to it for more than, you know, 10, 15 minutes at a time in certain areas, which made it harder for me to finish. Whereas the, where the story that Kevin Scott wrote, I feel is, is pretty solid. But then you also, on top of that, you're jumping timelines. So you're jumping timelines and you have people's voices that sound very similar to each other, making it harder to distinguish from people in the other timelines. So I just don't feel like the thought, I guess, not, that's not even the best way to say it, but just for lack of a better term, the, the depth of thought was put into it that you had with a Dooku Jedi lost, um, where they came out with they came out with like a a printed version of of Dooku eventually didn't they? They did. Yeah, and they did for Afra so as well. So I, I'm so pretty sure that'll happen. Uh, Tempest Runner soon, one of these days, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it would just be a script book, um, so I don't think it would have the same effect. But I I do think that would be one. I haven't done it with Dooku or the Afra one, but I think uh, with this one, maybe if I was uh, reading it while I was listening to it it might help a little bit um oh interesting yeah you know just because it gives you that focal to read on it you can see the characters that are talking and everything like that um just and and it's merely circumstance you know you you want the nile to sound a certain way twi'leks already sound a certain way you know if you got multiple people on respirators or ventilators or whatever they may be on because of what's happened like they're gonna sound the same way so it's it's a little bit of Circumstance, and I think that they would just have been best served as as a book proper. Mm. Um, but I get why why they did it in an audio drama format. Yeah, it's definitely nice to have the mixing up the mediums and trying something new like that. You know, we've only got a couple of those. Beyond those three, the only ones I can think of that fall into the same category is probably something like the original radio dramas from the the eighties and early nineties. Um, where it's more theater than it is like actually just a, a dramatization of an already written book. Like you said, Brandon, with the sound effects and the respirators and things can really change the way you hear a thing. And that's, you know, not always because you do a lot of the audiobooks too, or you used to do a lot more of the audiobooks. Is that right? Uh, no, not really. I do. No? Zach's more the audio book. Okay. Yeah. Zach's more the audio guy. Okay, cool, 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 yep. cool, cool. Got it. <laughs> Yeah, so um, there's there's still a lot of High Republic stuff to come out, and I, I have a feeling yeah. this won't be the the I was gonna say this won't be the first or the last, but it's definitely the first audio drama that we have from High Republic. Um, <laughs> that is a factual statement, uh, but uh, I, I doubt it would be the last. I would be much more interested, I think, in a a drama uh, radio drama for the Jedi side of things. I really, I, I just think with Dooku, yeah, it just seemed to work a lot better for the Dooku story 
than it mm-hmm. does for it did for for Afra or Tempest Runner. And that's not to say that they weren't good, but Dooku was just next level. And right. I I never finished that one. I tried it for like the first hour or two, and I was like, nah, this this is just clearly not going to be for me. I don't think. I had to pass on that one entirely. Yeah, I, I really, uh, no surprise, I really like that one. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, w- when it comes to the High Republic, how are we, I, I guess, how, how are we all feeling about it so far? Because the only thing that I, the only real complaint I have really comes out of the questions that we were just talking about. I think the Nihil are great. I think they're scary savages. But I think that's it. I think they're, I think Marcion is holding all the secrets in this in this uh, this timeline i think he's the the fascinating part of the nihil solely i mean i i listened to the lorna d book it like you learn more about her and it's great but it's it's very supplemental it's it, it to me at least um when it comes to the nihil I find that all, like I said, all the answers are through Marcion Rowe. He has all the secrets. He has all the intrigue for me when it comes to this band of group and watching him take over and learning more about him is the fascinating part about this group because the way it's, he's the one dealing with these sick and twisted people. He's like torturing an old woman to find spaceports. It, it's crazy, and he's so fascinating. But I just found that the, the rest of the Nihil, uh, they don't need to be explained because they're, they're basically Vikings. And I think the rest of the world, even the Drangir, um, everything else that they've done with the High Republic, though, is like absolutely perfect in my opinion. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. That's that's nice to hear because I really lo- I'm I'm enjoying the books just fine. Um, I'm trying the comics. Like I have the first uh, trade paperback of like the first six issues or so, and mm-hmm. the second one is coming in the next month or so. So I'm trying to follow that, and it seems to be that's where the heart of the Drengear storyline is taking place. Yeah. So I wasn't expecting them to do that. I was kind of thought they would go back and forth with the novel releases because I thought that um, what they started with the second book Rising Storm perhaps? That is mm-hmm. correct. Whew. Okay, good. Um, you I are allowed to remain a Star Wars fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. You guys might revoke that card later on. Who knows? Um, I thought that was a great story. I just wish I had the characters from Light of the Jedi involved in the story of, um, of that one there. I, I, I kind of want to mix those guys up. And that's what the comics seem to have been doing. Also, if anyone's sleeping on the Edge of Balance manga that was released, it's time for you to go get a copy because it's it was really good. Um, okay. That hit the spot. I was enjoying that. It's, uh, it is more Drengear involved, but it is in light of other events in the galaxy. So there's definitely some fun stuff going on there. And, and, and I like the characters that they've introduced there. I was trying to think if any of the characters in Edge of Balance show up in the other books or comics, and I feel like one of the Jedi Masters might, but I couldn't tell you who it is. So it's a, it's a little bit of a fresh start, I think. It's some, some different characters that people might find interesting as well. That's super awesome because I've been trying to read the High Republic at the the High Republic comic at the end of my night, uh, the last couple weeks, and I or I mean the last couple days, and I usually get you know like one in before I go to bed. But hey, I mean you love Avar, uh, she's kind of the focal point, and they Kevin <laughs> Kevin wrote 
Kevin wrote both. So, I mean, you know, both, um, shoot, The Rising Storm and the comic. And the way he kind of explained it is, you know, he he knows where Avar's at. That's what's great about the book. Like, Avar's not there because you want to know why Avar's, Avar's not there? You think it's kind of lame that she's yeah. not? Well, we can show you why Avar's not there and what she's dealing with. And I think that was so beautiful on how they kind of they use that i i agree that's why i bought the comic um mm-hmm. that's the only reason i was got interested in picking it up is because uh she's just the best thing to happen to star wars since lightsabers <laughs> okay I, well, why do you why do you like her so much i mean i really like her i'm the just episode saying. of outer rim reads that comes out this week and you'll understand why <laughs> okay fair enough I she I'm a big fan of her character, her philosophies, and the things that she does. So she's pretty much perfect. And it's going to be really sad when she dies or falls to the dark side eventually. Oh God, no! Not that no, I don't want her falling to the dark side. Can you imagine? Like, oof! I will be unconsolable. (laughs) All right, here's here's a question for you. You answered this on well, you answered a similar question to this on Twitter the other day about what Var's favorite. Taylor Swift album would be. <laughs> but what is Avar's like Taylor Swift hype song that she uses like to get ready, you know, to to be a boss? Oh, wow. Oh, gee. Let me think about that for a minute. Um because my instant reaction is Endgame from Rep. Yes, that's a good one. That's not bad. That's kind of the strongest one in the catalog. Um, boy, to go throw down though, it might be all too well, just because that song hits like a bag of bricks to the face, and that's kind of the, what she would want to tap into. Is kind of that's I, I think that kind of like not manic energy, but that like you know hell hath no fury like Avar Chris scorned, and I think that's what would get her there. So one of those two probably, or. Or I'll tell you what she could do, because she might just be one of those like, you know, like the quiet and uh, quiet still waters. It might just be like the back half of folklore. It's probably what it is. Let's be honest with ourselves. I like Skier. He listens to death metal for sure. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of static X in his diet, I think. Yes, absolutely. If Elzar had a Taylor Swift song, it would be. Elzar is going to confess his love to Avar and she's going to just straight up deny him tell him we can't. I think Elzar eventually will leave the Jedi Order and I think she will remain. I think he is going to be scorned permanently by Avar. Oh, I don't know about scorned. I, I, Not, I, I don't right. mean scorned. I just mean turned down. I, I, I think he's. I, th- I think he's going to get a heavy turn down, and it's going to change 
his um well, the two of them have had such a heavy relationship already uh, but right. she's pretty com- comfortable with where they are now like they're but he's not. really really good friends and that's it uh, but he doesn't really good yeah, yeah they're, they're really good friends they're tight <laughs> for sure so you might i think you're you, you're probably onto it with that um turn of events i think is probably going to drive Elzar to do something even more rash than he has done recently. So I, I, I can see that happening. Absolutely. Well, I think this is, uh, I, I think Elzar is going to be, well, I think they all are something that will show I the start of the Jedi's like kind of blind eye to human emotion or to, you know, like the codes outweighing the, what makes them human what makes them people i think this is like where you you see it specifically in these characters and i'm not saying even avar doesn't have love for him she just simply is too obi-wan kenobi like rules like we stick to it and i think elzar not i don't think he's gonna turn to the dark side per se i don't think that at all i think personally at least for me that trope is like gotta be well written at this point before it's just like out the door but I think Elzar is very unique as a person, and I think the Jedi's code will not sit well with him forever. I think he will understand that he feels, and for the Jedi, this is, he, he feels very human emotions. He's very, um, what is the word? Um, I, I just think he's different than the Jedi code. Well, he doesn't, follow the, those particular the rules, rules exactly yeah. very well yeah that's certainly his kind of thing it's what makes him kind of fun to spend time with he definitely is a little bit more reckless a little bit more brash it is definitely a lot of anakin padme things going on the, here yeah like, we can't be together even though we love each other but that also didn't last for padme very long you know just takes one romantic evening on the lake by you know by the lake of naboo or whatever it was well and she folded like a card table like, no, nah, I guess I'm all in. And I don't think. See, I don't Cap- think Avar is going to by these bugs. Really, really uh, changed my mind, Anakin. Let's go. Let's go die in an arena together for love. Oh, hey, it's Obi Wan. Let's let's get out of here. <laughs> she was on top of it. She was on top of things. Um, I'm really glad you said on top of things. Yeah. I didn't know where that sentence was going immediately, and I got a little bit nervous. Hey, this isn't Sid talk. <laughs> it's true. It, it's not. It was a quote from the movie Boys. Calm down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Disgusting selves. Uh, no, I don't think Avar. Like, I don't think Avar would have any interest in in that. Like, I just don't see. And and maybe there's something in the comics which I haven't gotten around to yet uh, that will change my opinion of that. But she seems very much like a Obi Wan Kenobi in where the the order comes first, and then the counter argument's going to be, oh well, but Satine. But I'm talking Obi Wan Kenobi when we know him in his prime of the clone wars through to um you know a new hope and things like that and that version of obi-wan isn't walking away from the order you know um because if he was he would have done it he would have done it when he went back to Satine. he would have done it for anakin he would have done it for all these other situations and the the code and the order always came first and i I see that for Avar um, in the same way, but I think maybe with Elzar, we're looking at a situation where maybe it's not a full turn to the dark side, but maybe one of his actions 
or maybe he feels it's necessary to do something with Martian or something like that. Not where he doesn't go full dark side, but he goes a little on the uh, justified oh. crime side or something like that. You know, like um, you Thanos almost where it's like there's a, there's a reason that makes sense. You're just not handling it in the best way right like that's what makes thanos interesting is thanos was right there's the number of of being no no. brandon red flags red flags the number of beings to the number of resources what is not compatible but killing half the people not a good idea doubling double the resources very good idea thanos equal bad guy well, like, just, I'm glad we got that on the record, just to make sure we're clear about that. I don't even look at it from that point of view. I just look at him as somebody who feels like he can't talk to his friends, and he can't tell his friends how he feels, because now he's a Jedi Master, and he's put in this role that he, he does deserve because of his understanding and height of heightened ability of the Force, but he's also different than them, and he, and he has these... I don't think he can talk to people, and I think that's the beauty of the High Republic. Like, how many how many relationships in these books so far have been um, more than friendships? It seems like all of the Jedi are hooking up and not talking about it and acting and turning a blind eye. Like, they all have their inner struggles that they feel like they can't talk to their other, you know, like, Padawans don't want to talk to Masters because they have attraction to somebody on this end or they feel dark thoughts but they just bury it because guess what we can't talk about this there's a lot of things that the jedi in this and it's so beautifully written because nobody's nobody's talking to each other about these things in the order and i think what's beautiful about that is that slow decay goes all the way back down to anakin this order gets hardened and hardened and hardened and hardened and hardened and that code that code gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper to the point where you get Anakin Skywalker because he literally couldn't talk to anyone. It was just not a thing. No, they weren't even relatable anymore. And at least in the High Republic, these Jedi are still very human, but they're not really talking about any of it. And I think that's great. I don't think Elzar's going to the dark side. I think he's simply going to walk out of philosophy because... He can't talk to anybody, and I think he's going to choose himself over, not in a Sith way, I think he's just going to choose, like, look, I love the Force, I trust the Force, the Force is telling me to do this, but I can't do this because and follow your code at the same time. No disrespect, I gotta walk away. I have to be me, and I don't feel like I can be me yeah. and be a Jedi. That's what I mean. This, I think you're... you're I would mostly agree with that, except for like a couple small things where this version of the order has that option for participants. You know, they have that wayseeker role where they can go out and they have the blessing of the order to really kind of cut ties and move on, but still without the threat of them falling to the dark side, raising an army and, and trying to destroy the Republic or something like that. Uh, I think that at the end of the last book we read, Oh boy. What was it the last book? I'm not really sure. See, I could just get my order screwed up. Where he has the issue with the dark side where he basically tries to drop a moon on some people. And he does sit with Stellan after that and say, I've I've done this and I need some help. And he's willing to reach out for help. So if anything, we start to see a little bit of a turn with him there. Because you're Zach, I think you're right that he doesn't feel like he can have he has anyone to talk to anymore. Like he feels cut off from his friends. I don't think his friends feel that way, though. I think that both Avar and Stellan 
feel like they have that relationship with one another, the three of them, where they could hash those things out together as a, as a team and really work those kind of work through the issues that they have. But Elzar is struggling with that. There's definitely a disconnect, at least in that book, where he doesn't feel like he's able to connect with them. I think perhaps because of how far he's, he feels the relationship with Avar, he wants it to go and it's not there. And that has created a barrier for him. Because yeah, we're just dumb, and we're bad with emotions. Well, but it, it's I don't yeah I I think it's also like he hasn't found his confidence yet, and he just started gaining his confidence in the novel, only to yeah. have it can be completely ripped out of him. Like I think he feels things a lot deeper, and it's kind of one of those things. Like at least with my friends, I tell my friends everything. Like we talk about, um you know, what we're feeling if we're scared or what we're doing in our life, like, or some of the huge mistakes we've made. There's an open, you know, there's an open discussion about who we are as people. And I think that that door is open from Avar and, um, and Stellan's point of view. They're, they're opening that door, but he's the one who thinks that they're shutting the door on him, but he's shutting the door on himself. Yeah, and and that I they're actually available. Yep, and we I all have friends have like that that we find out. I mean, you know, we all have friends that you know we find out they dump these things on us, and you're like, why didn't you tell me? Like, I'm always here for you, and it's like they let things get so. Like that's why I think Elzar is my favorite character of the High Republic because he's such a mess, and it's and it's. <laughs> I think it's gonna have huge payoff because I I love seeing a Jedi that's a mess. I mean, I think it's. I think, you know, never meet your heroes. It's that kind of thing. Like, he looks like this shining Jedi to probably every person he's ever, you know, ever seen him. And he's dealing with all these internal things. I think it's a great character because I think that's what a lot of us are doing. We're all trying to, you know, not really create a persona, but we're trying to live the best versions of our life. But sometimes there's demons inside our head that people will never know or understand there's thoughts that come into our head that are very scary and that's why i like elzar i'm wondering if there's going to be some kind of connection between elzar and bell uh with with bell losing spoiler alert losing loden after thinking he got him back and you guys got me thinking about how stellan kind of feels like he's losing his people too and what do you do when that happens in the many different ways that it can, you know, because it can be like it. It's obviously difficult to lose somebody to to death, like like uh, Bell lost Loden. Uh, but it's I, I wouldn't say equally, obviously, as hard to like have a friend pull start to pull away from you or to have your lives go in different ways. But it is a a difficult challenge and a difficult adjustment of your reality in both cases and how do you handle that and we've seen you know other jedi come together and try to help each other and um oh, man i am uh vernestero and emery uh you know in the the okay. younger yeah. books have have done that right where vernestra's really struggling with being a master because she doesn't feel she's adequate enough and Emery helps her to feel adequate as a master as she helps him to learn to deal with these things. So that vulnerability opening up 
is is something that we've already seen in the High Republic, and I think that those are two characters that if they spent some time together could definitely have that uh, going for them. We shall see. So from there, all all of that High Republic discussion, let's talk about the the one kind of thing we got from from Disney Plus Day. We we got this. Uh, well, we actually got a Boba Fett uh, under the helmet special. It's a twenty one minute little thing. I I haven't watched it yet. Drew, have you watched it? I have not. I it's on my list. I didn't even know it was twenty minutes long. That's it. Yeah, it's it's a short. I watched it. All right, non-spoiler review. What you got? Um, it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's almost uh, too short, but I think that's good because it leaves you wanting more. Uh, they throw a lot at you in a good way. Um, it was very cool. It was it was it was a great piece of supplemental material. Will it blow your mind? Absolutely <laughs> not. But it's fun. Yeah, fun, huh? Well, I mean, 20 minutes. I mean, it's not... They're not going to, like... I mean, they, they go through a lot of concept art and, like, the how he was created and then the, the level that he got taken off. Like, they honestly could have went a little bit longer. Um, but it, it's yeah. pretty brief. It's light, uh, but it's fun. And it, it, it kind of has that how Star Wars conquered the universe uh, book feel, but on TV. And specifically just for Boba Fett. So, I mean, they all kind of get <laughs> every person that has ever donned the armor to talk about it. And it's it's fun. That's all I can say. There's there's not a single bad thing about it. It didn't blow my mind, though. It's fun. Do you think you learned anything new that you did not know before? Um, no, but I saw a lot of cool con well yes uh yes i learned specifically when george decides to put him into the holiday special and you actually get <laughs> you actually get george literally he says he references the holiday special and you can tell he wants to just vomit even just saying it to this day <laughs> so yes i think it's great simply to watch george lucas actually have to reference right, the right, holiday yep, special yep. that because he does and it's pretty I, great okay you you've sold me i'm on board like george will be like um yeah when we were designing this character and we were coming up with the armor and you know we didn't have anything to do with that you know th that fox uh, holiday special um but that was actually the one thing that i decided to put in there was the boba fat thing and like his face just yeah he he hates that thing he's like please let me out of this room mm -hmm. i don't want to do this anymore poor guy sells a company for billions of dollars and still has to talk about things he hates and i will say to 50 years ago to intrigue you daniel logan appears and it's very nice seeing him get to talk about boba oh, fett it's very cool. nice okay not bad yeah, he's an interesting character or, or situation there because he got to play Boba Fett but never donned the armor, but his Boba Fett would have, like, he would have been Daniel Logan's age now, like, when he would have been in the armor. Yeah, he looks, yeah. I mean, like, I've seen pictures of him. He looks good in it. Like, he could have, but I think Tamora still 
the better actor. I, I just oh, think for he's sure. Font, you know. Oh yeah, it's not even a that's not even a conversation to be had. Um, all respect due to Daniel Logan, but um, yeah, it's it it is it's perfect when the timelines work out with Star Wars and the real world, right? Like having Ian McDermott be able to go back and play a younger version of Palpatine when he was older, but was the right age for Palpatine, uh, having you know, Ewan back at the the exact amount of time that you need him to tell this story for Kenobi, uh, having Tamara be at the right age to where a clone would be developed, and it just it's it's a very unique. Well, it's actually having not, Katie Sackoff just yeah, know, look like, like uh, <laughs> it's look just, like the regular uh, Bo-Katan that's not aged, but Bo-Katan. it's fine. She's fifty five. Oh, so great! It's just all so good, guys. It's so <laughs> good. Yeah, All right. and I'm good with it. Last last thing I want to talk about tonight is uh, is the little bit of Kenobi that we did uh, did get was some concept art, um, and there's really one picture in particular that I want y'all's brief thoughts on because Zach, you and I got into this on <laughs> we got into this on Sith Talk about the Kenobi show and my trepidations over the. Uh, bringing in of vader and from what we got in the concept art it appears spoiler if you're you're avoiding these things it appears to show darth vader proper in the the costume in the outfit in the armor against an older obi-wan kenobi on a mustafar like planet battle of the heroes type vibe so buddy my question then is, do you think this was drawn as concept art to just kind of get a, a feel, uh, a return to form, a that this was a very early stage of we know we want them to fight, we don't know how we want them to fight kind of situation? Or do you think they are actually going to fight on Mustafar again? Or are you right like me and you think that it's going to be in some kind of vision? So Drew, since you're the fan of visions, I'm going to give it to you. Can we talk about visions capital V and how we didn't get anything related to a second season announced, confirmed, hinted or nothing today. And therefore we have to burn something down to the ground because I, the, the visions erasure is, is not acceptable. I will not have that. Is not allowed. We must have more because it was just amazing and perfect. All right, got that out of my system. Um, I don't care about concept art. I don't have opinions. I don't have theories or expectations built on it. I don't care. And the reason I don't care is because when you do care, you just set yourself up for hurt and pain. Like all these people who wanted the trailer to be released. Oh, it's got to come out on uh, this thing. It's going to come out on this thing. It has to come out at this event. And it doesn't. And you've got to just take a deep breath and stop. Okay? <laughs> like, you, you don't need to be let in on every little detail every step of the way. Um, it's fine to have these things come out when they do. You've got to stop setting your own expectations and saying this is what's going to happen based on the information you have because you don't have enough you, – you, generic individual, not necessarily just Brandon, but do not have the information in order to draw appropriate conclusions. And so if you're going to set yourself up for failure, this is the best and easiest way to do it. Um, 
I really was surprised, Brandon, when you wanted to talk about that one and not the picture that looked like the second sister uh, descending from a boarding ramp, because I thought that was where you were going to go with all this, not the Darth Vader thing. Oh, man. That, I, I, Drew, we were getting along for so long. <laughs> no, no, in all seriousness, I think everything you're saying is 100% rational. And I think... Great. Excellent. But I, but I, Hi-ho. See you guys in two weeks. <laughs> But I also think that they specifically chose these images simply to give us uh, hints at the story to come and uh, the general feel of it. And what you're seeing is Western tones and dark tones and um, intensity. Um, And as far as the uh, sister, that would make sense because I think I've called the casting and I, I don't have the casting pulled up. Um, it was Game of Thrones actress Ooh. that got casted. I think she's definitely uh, the Inquisitor. Um, let's see. Yeah, I remember something like that happening, but then one of the images looks uh, astonishingly like the uh, the getup from Jedi Fallen Order. So I think that's, I don't yeah. know if that's actually the character. Like Adriana Varma. Do you think that's going to be second sister? Absolutely. Actually, I'll look up Fallen Order right now, too. Um, Fallen Order. It's Second Sister, right? Uh, I believe so. I played the game. Why don't I remember? Jeez. <laughs> I watched somebody play the first, like, two hours of it. <laughs> I would love to be able to sit and do it, but uh, I could just watch YouTube walkthroughs. It's a whole lot easier I and, mean, and affordable. I mean, guys, me. it's pretty <laughs> stinking close. Like, look up... Uh, Indria, Indria Varma, and then look up second sister, guys. It's pretty stinking spot on. Like see, it's I, be very careful about your expectations. It's no, it's, I don't have any expectations except that Vader uh, and, and except that do. Vader. Listen, I'm just putting you. You pointed it out. I'm just saying that you're. I'm adding to you. I'm adding to you. Okay. okay. All right. I mean, sure. My only expectations I, for Obi-Wan is that it's a great story that I can get behind. I'm so pumped for Obi-Wan. But I will say the other thing that will 100% happen, Brandon, is they doubled down in this tra- in this sizzle reel that this is fight night between these two. It's not going to be a wizard mind battle. And I argued with, the, argued with you on that a year and a half ago. I'm going to still argue with you that that would be the biggest letdown had they been hyping this up, you know, because now it's not just Kathleen Kennedy talking out of her butt and saying, oh, their biggest showdown, like, Ewan said it, like, I get to reunite with Hayden and we get to have a little bit of a fight. There's no way this is going to be a wizard mind battle. This ain't D&D. They going to fight. They going to fight. Oh, boy. I, I don't know. Oh, uh, it goes back to those expectations, you know, like to what it, what is the extent that they are hyping it up and what is the extent that we spend so much time around Star Wars? They and said it. Yeah. They I mean, said it. Is, no, no, no. They said it 100%. But we spend a lot of time around Star Wars. We listen to shows that talk about these ad nauseum and our, our Twitter feeds are this and our Facebook feed. Like, it's everywhere for us. And so... I always think about Snoke, you know, all these Snoke theories. And at the end of the day, Snoke wasn't that important. And and it was a letdown because people had expected this great backstory for Snoke and it just didn't exist. And it was never, when you look at the material presented by Lucasfilm, it was never hyped in that way 
as it was by the fans, by the memes, by all of these other theories and things like that. So, yes, they're talking about it, and but let's not overstate Kathleen saying one thing and Ewan saying one thing as they are putting this as the rumble in the jungle front and center of the entirety of the series. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with Brandon on this one. I, I call it the Constable Zuvio problem where it's in there, the character exists until he doesn't. Like, marketing materials, first line of toy releases for Force Awakens, you know, all this information about a character, not even in the film. So, like, we can have a lot of information that comes out beforehand, but until you see it hit the screen, it's all imagination at this point, guys. So, would it be... I love there to be a you know some kind of fight between the two of them, but to the best of my understanding, is that Vader doesn't know where Obi Wan is when A New Hope picks up, and it seems reasonable that he ha- that Kenobi hasn't left Tatooine because his main focus has been to watch Luke. So I and Luke has says that or, or Luke hasn't really gotten off the planet himself. So it doesn't seem terribly reasonable, though it, it's not impossible that the two could fight face to face or saber to saber as it were. But I mean, I don't know. It, it's a stretch of the imagination. Then again, we were all told it wasn't Boba Fett who rescued Fennec Shand in season one of Mandalorian. We, they swore up and down Boba Fett wasn't going to be in the show, and it turns out he absolutely was in the show. Not only that, he plays a major role in part two, and he gets his own show uh, shortly thereafter. So we've been screwed around with before. Why not again? You know, It's just take a deep breath is, is, is my, my main point. And it would be great. I would love it if it were to happen. Because like you said, Zach... It's going to be a good story. I have no doubt that it's going to be entertaining. I think they've really figured out how to make the serialized, episodic approach on a television system kind of approach really fire on all cylinders, as opposed to some of the more cinematic entries, which not have not always been as good. So well, they've taken their take time writing it. it. Exactly. They've I mean, they've delayed it simply that. to write it. Like yeah. But I, so I will that's say a good, that's a good sign, like to me, like take the time to do your rewrites and your reshoots, get it right. That way we can all enjoy a finished product that's we, that, that you guys can all be proud of, that we can love and adopt and, and, and enjoy, you know, like Rogue One has its flaws, but it is dang the most fun film that's been released, you know, in the Disney era. It's the most fun. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day who is a, a, on the younger side of the spectrum and said he said Rogue One is his favorite Star Wars movie just hands down it's the best one I was kind of taken aback by that but it, it kind of spoke to me to say that that really had the opportunity to be refined super well and it shows other entries can't say that and so like you said Zach they've taken their time to write it giving it more time let it breathe a bit take a drink uh, and and I think it's only going to benefit from that. I don't think things get worse the more time they give it. I think that if they give it more time, it's only going to improve. Kind of like uh, the Last Jedi. What? <laughs> the Last Jedi. They Ryan took the time with the story. He focused on writing it. They, he wasn't oh, like okay. <laughs> there was a I'm really confused. <laughs> There was a deadline, sure, but it was never, they were never on, it was never, like, 
against the clock. Like Rogue One and Solo and even, uh, you know, to an extent, um, Rise of Skywalker, like those were pushed against the clock. And sometimes you get great stuff out of that. Sometimes you get great things out of a disaster, right? A New Hope is literally a, a great thing out of a disaster. Um, but if yeah. you're looking Other for... we get Ochi of Bestoon and we get, you know, Palpatine's dagger. And exactly, so. exactly. But if you're looking for, you know, a rock-solid hit, you go with the one that is proven. Like, Drew, you'll appreciate this. Aaron Sorkin, like... If you want a well-told, political, politicalized story, like, that's a surefire, 100%, you're getting it right, win. Like, John Favreau, you can pretty much say that with. Dave Filoni, you can pretty much say that with, as far as, at least as far as animation goes, you know, um, where very, very rarely are they involved with something that's not successful, and the same can be said for Ryan Johnson. So I just want to put it out there to, to wrap it up because I, I think we, we forget that the man <laughs> is supposed to have a trilogy. And uh, as the world burns, we need some something to believe in. Well, I can tell you that will be a hint at what next week's uh, episode of Sith Talk will be. That uh, quote-unquote Ryan Johnson oh, trilogy. We go. Yeah. And that quote-unquote delayed rogue squadron so if you guys sticking around like honestly like that's what we're talking about we're we're getting into this and i'm we're gonna go deep broke my heart when when they delayed that i was like no come on oh it's it's i want to see the most it ain't delayed i can tell you it's not happening not with patty jenkins oh no i i okay you you have that on your show i won't steal your thunder but no (laughs) Well, I'm coming over there and stealing all the thunder. The thunder shall be mine. The thunder shall be all mine. But until then, guys, we are going to call it a night for tonight. Uh, Drew has some Taylor Swift listening to do. And uh, we... That we uh, we have other content that is going to be coming for you, like we talked about with Sith Talk, and uh, real soon here we're gonna get into our holiday fundraiser. I may have uh, multiple signed prizes in my closet right now, so stay tuned for that. That is coming in the near future. All of that stuff will be available on our feeds, whether it be our Facebook group, Twitter feed, or over at Clashing Savers dot net or at patreon at patreon.com slash clashing savers so uh just for those of you who are our first time listeners um or haven't heard of it before we are not raising funds for us to run this podcast we are raising funds to put star wars books into classrooms so stay tuned there and uh drew while they're waiting around for that announcement where can they find you on the webs best place to find is on the twitter at the drew brett um trying to catch up on a few things and looking forward to the next uh the trade paperback of high republic comics so that we can catch up and and i can only be slightly behind instead of completely behind and also also um sorry real quick uh there is an episode dropping of outer rim reads that i was on and we again we mentioned it earlier we talked about chapters 16 through 18 which is the end of part one of light of the jedi so if you want to go see what it's like to the guy <laughs> I don't know if you guys have been following him but andrew is the is the one who's running that show is reading these books three chapters every two weeks that's it 
So he has no idea what comes next. He's been completely cutting himself off from all High Republic information, and he's been reading Light of the Jedi for like months at a time now. And it is just, it's like, it's like a train wreck in the slowest of slow motions. It's so much fun to watch him struggle through things. It's it's a great time. Uh, check out the episode. I'm pretty sure it's if unless his editor is like vicious, it should be the longest episode he's had to date. So it's my fault again because. It's the, chapter 17. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Ha, is it has the best paragraph in all of written Star Wars. The best paragraph in chapter 17. And we talk about why. And it took us like an hour and a half. An hour and a half on Go a paragraph? That sounds, that sounds like Clashing Sabres right there. Like, I mean, always be on brand, right? You gotta be. You gotta be. And Zach, uh, while they are waiting for that episode of Outer Rim Reads to drop uh, and the next episode of Sith Talk to drop, where can they find you on the interweb? Uh, you guys can find me speculating if Vader gets uh, uh, pay-per-view on that concept art uh, TV hollow screen on his uh, Vader Castle throne at Sith Talker 25 And you can also catch me on the Sith Talk uh, Instagram page because I am now kicking Sith Talk off to posting a lot more and, and picking that thing back up and we're running with it so that's where you can find me i also post about barbecue working out and comic books so that's what we do and we also teach valuable lessons here like the one we all have taken to heart which is batch eight hi ho gentlemen well done proud of you so good at this the podcast you just listened to and all other Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff, and we just use different informational and educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it, it's ours, they made it, it's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here.